You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. Hey guys, and welcome to Foothills Church. We are so thankful we get to gather together as a church. We, we might be scattered, but God is not stopping. God is still moving in His church, and I trust that He's gonna teach us something important today. And as your pastor, I want you to know that I love you guys. I'm praying for you every day. And I don't want you to actually practice social distancing right now. I want you to practice physical distancing, but socially, we need each other right now. So stay connected to your small group and uh, stay connected with us on our online platforms. If you don't follow us on social media, please do so. Hey, this coming Friday is Good Friday and we're actually gonna do a live Good Friday service that you're not gonna wanna miss. We're gonna take communion together. So try to have some bread and some crackers and, and some kind of juice to be ready for that service this week. And today actually starts our 21 days of prayer as a church that we're doing together. If you missed my video, I wanna encourage you to go to foothillschurch.com, watch the update video from me that explains our 21 days of prayer. I am so excited about what God is gonna do as we seek his faith during this season. You know, I, I know this is a challenging time for you and you might be asking God, how much longer is this going to last? You might even be saying, God, this just isn't fair. We didn't cause this virus and, and here we are. We're, we're all suffering because of it. And you know what? If you're asking that question, you're not alone because everyone struggles at some point in their life with the question about fairness. God, why do bad things happen to good people? I mean, we all have a sense of fairness and when we perceive that something is unfair, it, it really gets us fired up. And it's why some of the most popular Netflix shows are crime documentaries that make you think the guy is innocent. And in one minute, you think the guy is guilty and the next minute you think, no, no, he, he probably did it. You know, the most popular show on Netflix right now is called Tiger King and not saying I watch it, but I'm just saying it's popular. And, and if you have watched it, you're, you're like, what in the world is going on here? Uh, and the under underlying issue through the whole series is, is really fairness. Who is being treated unfairly? Is it the cats? Is it, is it the guy? Is it the woman? I don't know. But those shows are, are popular because somewhere in our DNA, we don't want innocent people to go to prison or to suffer. It, it violates our sense of fairness. We don't want bad things to happen to good people. And when an innocent man is condemned, it, it resonates with our heart because we don't like to see injustice like that take place. You know, one of the most significant aspects of the gospel is that Jesus was an innocent man who was condemned to die. So when we're wrestling with the question of suffering and why do bad things happen to good people, we don't have to look any further than the cross to give us the ultimate example of injustice. Jesus knows what injustice feels like. Jesus experienced the ultimate unfair act in the history of the world. The perfect man who did not deserve any punishment was executed. And that's one of the main reasons I can say that the cross is a part of your story today, no matter who you are, whether you realize it or not. We've been in a sermon series that we're calling, Were You There? And the idea is that yes, you were there the day that Jesus died. I was there. Of course, not in person, but the whole reason Jesus died on the cross was because of your sin. It was because of my sin. And, and that's how your story intersects with the cross 
of Jesus. And so today we're gonna continue this series in Luke chapter 23, and we're gonna look at the most unfair, the most unjust act in the history of the world, the crucifixion of Jesus. And I wanna ask the question, why did Jesus do it? Why did Jesus die? So if you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 23, I'm gonna read it here on the screen. It starts with verse 32. It says, two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him, with Jesus. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by watching the rulers scoffed at him saying, he saved others, let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, his chosen one, the soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him. This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him saying, do you not fear God? since you were under the same sentence of condemnation and we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Jesus is saying to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Now in this passage, we see a few statements that Jesus makes. And I want us to take a look at them and, and see what the, the truth behind those statements really reveal. And so the first statement that we read here in Luke's gospel is that Jesus says, the first thing that he says as he's dying on the cross is, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. So here's Jesus, he's, he's dying on the cross. And you would think that his first words on the cross would, would be about his disciples or maybe his mother, essentially his close friends, those that he, he cared about. You wouldn't think that as he was dying on the cross, his first words would be for those who actually are murdering him. This is a picture of unconditional love. As he is dying, he is praying for those that are actually killing him. In verse 35, it says that the soldiers were actually mocking Jesus saying, hey, he could save others, let him save himself. And, and I wonder if you've ever asked that question, you know, could Jesus have saved himself? And as he's dying on the cross, of course, Jesus could have tapped into his deity and he could have saved himself at any given time. He could have called down an army of angels from heaven and wiped out everyone in one fell swoop. He could have saved himself, but he would not save himself because of his love for you. While Jesus is hanging on the cross, he, he has a, a conversation with the two criminals that are also being executed, one on his right, one on his left. And we don't know what they did, but most likely they did some kind of really heinous crime like murder. And so that's why they are being crucified as well. And one criminal 
is traditionally called the unrepentant thief. And, and he's the one that's railing at Jesus. In other words, he's making fun of him. And, and even in his final moments of life, even as he's facing death, this criminal's heart was still hard towards Jesus The other criminal is uh, what we call the repentant thief because he actually sticks up for Jesus and he actually demonstrates repentance in his heart. The dialogue with Jesus shows us that number one, he feared God. It also shows us that that, uh, the man is saying that Jesus is a, a righteous man. And then he's also asking Jesus to remember him. And that brings us to the second statement that Jesus makes as he's on the cross. The second statement is Jesus says to this repentant criminal, today you will be with me in paradise. You know, this conversation with these criminals actually teaches us a lot about faith and a lot about life after death. And if you're taking notes, the first thing that I want us to understand is that repentance is necessary to go to heaven. The criminal said, we deserve this. He's admitting his guilt and he's declaring that Jesus is innocent. And so what Jesus is showing us is that repentance is actually necessary in order for us to go to heaven. Now, when I was in high school, uh, my senior English class was the hardest class I had ever taken. But the teacher was one of my favorite teachers. And oddly enough, it was one of my favorite classes. And it wasn't just me. Everybody loved Mr. Director, but he would assign us books uh, for us to read. And of course, as a senior in high school, I had a pretty busy schedule. I mean, I, I had basketball practice. I had a lot of friends I needed to hang out with. I had a Nintendo I needed to play for many hours a day. So you can see that my schedule was pretty busy. So reading a book didn't quite fit in well with my schedule. That's when I learned about these little booklets that basically told you what the book was about in just a few short pages called Cliff Notes. Now, Cliff Notes changed my life because I could read a few pages and I could get the gist of the book and and get, uh, get by in the class. But what I didn't realize is that just reading the cliff notes, it didn't get me the full story. I missed some of the most interesting parts of the story. And, and those happened to be the parts that my teacher loved to include on the test. So I had to learn the hard way that cliff notes seem like a good idea, but they don't actually help you on the real test. You know, I think a lot of people have accepted a version of Christianity that I call cliff note Christianity. You've heard the highlights, Jesus died for you. He rose from the grave. And if you pray a prayer or say you believe in him, you get to go to heaven. And, and you take this cliff note Christianity and then you just go live your life however you want to. And, and you live as if everything is really just about you. And, and so your goal is simply to try to enjoy life, get as much as you can uh, with as little pain as possible. You don't actually want to live for God. You don't actually want to serve him. You just, you just want him to bless you and, and give you heaven. That's cliff note Christianity. You know, to become an authentic follower of Jesus, you must experience repentance, And so that's why on the cross, Jesus is making this point and and we see this dialogue showing us that repentance is necessary to go to heaven. In fact, 2 Peter 3, 9 says it like this. The Lord does not delay his promise as some understand delay, but he is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. So God wants you to repent. He has patience for you. He doesn't want anyone to perish and to be separated from him for all eternity, but he wants us to come to repentance, which means that there's an admission to God that says, God, 
I recognize my sin and, and, and I'm actually gonna turn away from my life of sin and I'm gonna turn to a life that seeks to please you. It's essentially recognizing that your sin is against God, your creator. That's important for us to understand. Some people can easily admit that they're not perfect. They say, oh yeah, no, 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 I'm not perfect. And you know, I'm, I'm not the most perfect person in the world. And, and that's easy for us to say, but, but God wants us to understand that our sin is against him. That's why David says in Psalm 51, against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. You see, David had committed adultery. He committed murder. He had, he had sinned multiple times and hurt many, many people. But David's point and what God wants us to know is that ultimately our sin is against God. Our sin has broken relationship with our creator. And so the sign or what the Bible calls the fruit of a person who is repentant of sin is that they now live for Jesus. They seek to live a life that pleases God and, and continually turns away from sin in their life. And so we don't get to see this criminal's life because obviously he dies, but had he lived because his heart was changed and Jesus said that he was gonna go to heaven, we would have seen a different man. You know, cliff note, the cliff note version of Christianity is simply a, a prayer you might've prayed as a kid and, and then you just kind of go live however you wanna live and, and there's no real change in your life. That's why some people today feel so very far away from God. They think that they're Christians, but they have never really given their life to Jesus. Repentance is necessary. But secondly, what we learn about this conversation is that salvation is immediate. When you repent, when you give your life to Jesus, he saves you and that salvation happens immediately. And the effects of that salvation are applied immediately, which means that very day, the criminal was with Jesus. Think about it, how beautiful this is. Jesus is saying, hey, listen, I'm not just gonna remember you when I go to paradise. He's not saying, I'm gonna take you to paradise in 20 years, 100 years, 1,000 years. No, Jesus says, tonight, we're gonna be together in paradise. That's amazing. You see, when a believer dies, his or her soul is immediately ushered into the presence of paradise with Jesus. There's no such thing as limbo where people go and you have to pray for them to get out of limbo and to go into heaven. That's a lie from the Catholic church. You aren't just asleep for you know, years and years until Jesus decides to return. Immediately, the scripture says, your soul is taken to be with Jesus. Now, if you haven't repented of sin and you haven't trusted in Jesus, when you die, your soul is immediately taken to a place the Bible calls Hades. We, we traditionally call it hell. It's the first place of suffering for those who commit what's called the unforgivable sin, which is rejecting Jesus as your savior. And so this criminal, even though he only has hours to live, experiences God's grace and Jesus saves him in that very moment. That night, he was with Jesus for all eternity. Now, let's go to uh, verses 44 and 49 to see the next part of the, the, the passage that we're reading today. And it says this, it was now about the sixth hour, which is about noon. And there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, which was three o'clock. 
while the sun's light failed and the curtain of the temple was torn in two, then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now, when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God saying, certainly this man was innocent. And all the crowds that had assembled for this spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home beating their breasts and all his acquaintances and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. Why did Jesus go through with it? Why did he die? And if you're taking notes, the first thing that I would have you write down to answer this question is that Jesus was crucified as a payment for your sin in order to bring you to God. He died the death we deserved. He was a substitute paying for our sin and making it possible for us to have a relationship with God. First Peter three eighteen says it like this, for Christ also suffered for sins, once for all, the righteous, he was the righteous for the unrighteous, that's me, that's you, that he might bring you to God. You see, Jesus was not only innocent, he was also perfectly obedient to God. He was the righteous one in every sense of the word. He was perfect. That's why he was the only one qualified to die in your place. And when you become a follower of Jesus, he, he then puts that righteousness in you. It's unbelievable. As a believer, you're clothed in the righteousness of Christ. In other words, you're declared righteous. And now listen to this, God is treating you as if you lived like Jesus. Now, of course, we didn't come close to living like him, but that's how God views us now. This is how, how God understands us and looks at us, that, 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 that you can know God and the righteousness of Jesus is now given to you. In verse 44, it says that at noon, darkness fell over the land. And then at three, the curtain of the temple was then torn in two. So, so darkness is a sign here of God's judgment and of his punishment. And, and verse 45, the curtain of the temple being torn is, is extremely significant. Uh, the curtain was a symbol that now there is open access to the presence of God. Jesus's death gives you access to the presence of God. This veil was essentially a large curtain that separated in the temple what was known as the Holy of Holies. It was the innermost place, uh, the place in, that was the most sacred part of the temple. It was a place where the very presence of God was present in a very special way. And so access was limited to God. Uh, and, and, and so when Jesus is coming, now because of the cross, he's saying, listen, you now have access to God. At that time, ordinary people felt excluded from God because they had to go through a priest. And uh, even the priests kind of felt excluded because only the high priest, one guy, could go into the Holy of Holies. But even the high priest could only go in one time a year. And that had to be kind of intimidating for him. And, and he had to tie a rope around his leg because when he would walk in there, just in case he died, they would have to drag him out because nobody else was allowed in. So access to God was limited. The, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies one time a year on the Day of Atonement. They would sacrifice a goat and that would be payment for the sins of the people for the remaining year. Now, so with Jesus coming, he is the final and ultimate sacrifice the cross of Jesus. Now God is saying, you now have access to me, everybody. 
the relationship and the love that you are longing for is now found in Jesus. And he says, my presence and my power is now available to everyone. You don't need a priest to confess your sins to. You have access to God through Jesus. You see, Jesus was crucified as a payment for your sin in order to bring you to God. Secondly, if you're taking notes, Jesus was crucified to provide an authentic relationship with God. You see, God actually wants to get to know you on a personal and intimate level. God wants to show you that there's purpose in life. He wants to show you and and he wants you to experience a life that is fulfilling. Listen to this. It's a life that you've actually been dying to have. It's, It's what we all desire to have. And it's only found in a relationship with God. Some people think coming to God means you've got to give up all the fun stuff in life, but that's actually a lie. When you realize, uh, what you realize as you draw closer to God is that all the things that you, you thought brought you happiness are, were actually robbing you of happiness. Uh, one of the things I, I hear all the time from people who are attending FC is that they start coming to church and they realize that church is actually fun. They, they realize that serving God is actually fun and building relationships with, with God's people is, is actually life-giving. And so I hear so many people say, you know, before coming to FC, God was just this concept that I believed in or I was just trying to be good. But, but after going to base camp and camp two and getting involved in the life of the church, I finally realized what I've been missing. And, and what I've been missing is a relationship with God. And that's, that's exactly what God wants you to have. You can know God personally and actually experience his, his grace and love and power in your life. Yes, Jesus died, but on the third day, he rose from the grave, which means he's alive and active in our life today. And I think right now we need that more than ever. Right now, as we face so many uncertainties and, and unknowns, so many fears, each of us can turn to God and grow that relationship. We, we have so much more time at home now. We could use that time to, to seek God and hear from him and grow in that relationship. So the third statement that Jesus makes on the cross is this final statement. He says, into your hands, speaking to his heavenly father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Now, in the gospel of John, it tells us that this last statement also has three words to it. And those three words are, it is finished. Meaning that it, the purpose for why he came, the purpose to pay for sin, bring you to God, provide a real relationship with God, that purpose is finished now through his death. You know, after Jesus makes that statement, a centurion officer has this epiphany. Uh, so the centurion, he would have been in charge of the entire day of execution. It's, it's, it's his job to make sure it all goes according to plan. And so he's been watching Jesus all day. He's seen him get beaten up, uh, get, get the 39 lashes. He's seen people make fun of him. He's watched uh, him carry the cross. He, he saw people um, uh, mocking him and spitting on him. He sees the spear go into his side. He watched the entire brutal death. And now he hears Jesus's last words. It is finished. Into your hands, I commit my spirit. And this soldier praises God. See, he's a Gentile, which is a big deal uh, for, for everyone reading this uh, in the first century. And, and, and this Gentile, it finally hits him, the truth of the gospel. 
All this time he's been laughing at Jesus. All this time he's been treating Jesus as a nobody. All this time he's been killing Jesus. He finally realizes that Jesus really is who he said he was. He's realizing that it was his sin that took Jesus to the cross and that something bigger is going on, that the cross is a part of his story. It says that the crowds uh, walked away beating their chest. Uh, They had gathered there to see a spectacle, but beating their chest was a sign of sadness, was a a sign of mourning. They came to be entertained, uh, entertained, but the conviction of God's spirit had fallen on the people and they left filled with grief. Maybe they knew something deep within their own heart that they had just witnessed something terrible. In fact, uh, the apostle Paul wrote this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 8. He says, none of the rulers of this age understood it. Speaking about the cross, they, they didn't understand the cross. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Paul said, if they would have known that this was the Lord of glory, they wouldn't have crucified him. They didn't know who Jesus was or listen, they didn't accept who Jesus was. That's why we can say, you were there. I was there. Because there was a time in your life, in my life, when we didn't know who Jesus was. We, 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 didn't, we didn't accept him for who he was. We rejected him just like the religious leaders, just like the people who yelled out, crucify him. You were fine with Jesus being crucified. I was fine with it. You know, some of you are watching today. You still don't know him. You still don't know the Lord of glory. You still haven't haven't given your life to him. But maybe today, right now, wherever you're listening to this message, God's been speaking to you and convincing you that it's time for you to turn from sin, repent of sin, and start living your life for Jesus. You see, the reason why Jesus died was to take your place, pay for your sin, bring you to God so that you could actually have a real relationship with your creator. He died because he loves you. And maybe right now, maybe it's in your living room or maybe you're alone, maybe you're with people, wherever you're at, could we just in the quietness of this moment respect this time And maybe perhaps right now, you feel the need to give your life to Jesus. If that's you right now, I just wanna encourage you to make this prayer, make this statement a declaration to God today. Just simply say, God, I confess that I have sinned against you. Tell God, I repent of my sin and I turn away from my sin and I ask that you forgive me. I believe that Jesus died on the cross as a payment for my sin and and rose from the grave. Come into my life and save me today. Amen. If you just prayed that and and, and that's a prayer and and commitment that you truly genuinely made, I I just wanna praise God for what the the Lord is doing in your life today. And if, if if you just made that commitment to Christ, I want you to know that we love you and man, we're praying for you and we actually wanna know who you are. So I I wanna encourage you to simply click the I accepted Christ button at the bottom of your screen. Or if you're watching this on YouTube or Facebook, you can visit foothillschurch.com slash decision. Let us know who you are so that we can pray for you and be, be excited with you. You know, maybe you would say that 
you've given your life to Jesus, but you've never been baptized. If you would like to be baptized, I'd love for you to click on the decision button as well. I don't know um, when we're gonna be able to baptize again, but I trust that it's gonna be one day in the near future. And, and baptism is our first step of obedience once we commit our life to Christ. It's, it's a symbol of the old Trent dying when I go under the water. And as I come up out of the water, it's a symbol of the, the brand new creation that, that I am in Christ. You know, God's, uh, God's with you today. God loves you today. And, and even though our hearts might be anxious and, and heavy today about all the things that are going around, we can trust that Jesus knows what it feels like to be treated unfairly, to, to experience suffering. And because he went to the cross and defeated death, you and I can, can, can defeat whatever suffering, whatever pain we're experiencing in this life today. I love you guys. I can't wait to see you in person. Have an amazing day. Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com.